Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we are talking with Lorenzo Sanchez Mangas. Hi, Lorenzo. How are you? Hello, Bant. I'm very well here in, in Madrid, sunny Madrid. It's sunny Madrid. Well, it's great to, great to talk to someone in, in Madrid. Uh, Lorenzo is the managing partner at WIF Capital. Um, WIF Capital is a really interesting investment platform specializing in greenfield infrastructure with a particular focus on water and sanitation, as well as sustainability and health in small to medium-sized projects. Uh, we'll be talking about WIF Capital, but before we get into to, to that, I'd love to go through more about your background, Lorenzo. It, you've You've, got, you've worked at some of the most incredible companies in the world, whether it be Barclays, McKinsey, Goldman Sachs. Uh, it seems like you've seen it all. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Well, I'm on the right, wrong side of 50. I was going to say the right side, but it's the wrong side. <laughs> um, I, uh, I have uh, four wonderful daughters. Um, I live in Madrid now, but uh, to be honest with you, I nearly half my life I lived away from Spain. I, I went to boarding school in England for six years. I uh, did my undergrad uh, at uh, Boulder, Colorado. I had a blast there. Um, then I was in Paris at the Sorbonne for a, for a year. And I started working at Barclays in, in, in Madrid. Uh, and after three and a bit years, I, I went to Kellogg uh, to do my MBA in Chicago. Um, and while there, I did a stint at McKinsey. And uh, um, after that, I preferred something more intense. Uh, so I went to Goldman and I started uh, trading there um, on the equity side, which was very fancy at the time. Um, and uh, ran the Spanish, well, the Iberian book. And then when we went to sectors, it was the financials. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, well, time flies. Uh, <laughs> They then they asked me to to go. This is what to, happens uh, when you get to the the, the other side of fifty. You know? side of 50 <laughs> what happened to you too? Exactly. Uh, uh, and uh, and they asked me after nearly four years to to go to the sales side because there was a little bit of turmoil at the time in, in the bank, uh, and uh, they needed someone with with technical expertise, but at the same time they thought I was a natural for selling, but. Uh, so there you are. So I, I spent the next eight years, the, 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 all the rest of my career at Goldman Sachs on the sales side, uh, focusing and running the, the, what we used to call the uh, garlic belt, uh, which was Southern Europe, uh, on the equity and derivative side, but focused mainly in, on the Iberian side. Although I had some clients in London, et cetera. And uh, um, my family had already come to Spain in 2007 and although I wanted to leave, they asked me to stay. And uh, so I was, you know, going on and off Madrid, uh, London every week. It was a nightmare. Uh, and to, uh, to be able to work with the family was even worse, actually, to be honest with yeah. you. But anyway, it worked. Um, and uh, when I came back to Spain, 
there wasn't really anything that as interesting on my side of the business that I could do because really you had to be in, in bigger hubs, London, New York. Right. So I I, uh, I was convinced to uh, by by the head of uh, UBS in Spain to to uh, was a great guy uh, on the private banking side to start working for them and I worked for the super ultra uh, clients we had at, at the bank, um, helping them mainly. Uh, on their investments, but also to rearrange their portfolio. Because after 2008 and the uh, debt crisis we had in Europe, it was a bit of a nightmare. So I, we, yeah. we, uh, I helped, but I mean, I wasn't the only one who uh, uh, tried to realign their investments and their portfolios. It was very interesting. And on the latter part, uh, later on, I moved to uh, uh, looking more at alternative investments, um, funding some really interesting funds, debt funds, particularly in, uh, in Spain. Uh, and that's how, uh, you know, WIF came about in my head with, with two other people, uh, my, my colleagues uh, and my partners and friends uh, who uh, um, had, uh, how can I say, they, 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 they were looking for, for, for something that uh, would be worth it for them, not only on a professional side, but also give them fulfillment on a personal side. Yeah. Uh, that's how WIF came about. Yeah, is- and I, I mean, I, I see that WIF Capital is working on really critical areas, water and sanitation, uh, general green greenfield infrastructure. But these are, are areas that uh, seem to all get bucketed into that sustainability heading, the general sustainability area, but yeah, something that has drained a lot, uh, a lot of importance right now. So tell us a little bit more about WIF Capital and what you guys are working on. I mean, like, like you said before, I mean, uh, uh, with Capital is an environmental infrastructure investment platform uh, focused on water uh, in the region of Latin America, or to be more precise, Mexico, all the way down to Argentina, um, in Greenfield and Brownfield projects. Uh, but the, the reality is that we all also always work in conjunction with an industrial partner, whether we have an agreement with them on a broader side or just for a specific project, but uh, they bring the technical expertise, we bring the financial expertise as well as the capabilities to fund the projects. Because like okay. you said before, um, we focus on medium to small size projects, always on the equity side, or quasi equity, anything from mezzanine to uh, convertible, because we prefer that risk, the equity risk, uh, and our clients as well. Um, now, uh, with all, you know, when you look at the kind of projects that are easy to fund, mm-hmm. you're talking about larger projects that all the institutions and the supranational institutions are looking at 500, 300, 400 million, 1 billion water, yeah. which they don't have that many, but there are. Uh, but the reality is that to close the infrastructure gap, like the United Nations is looking for, with all these SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals uh, 2030. Uh, you need to focus on medium to small size projects. Otherwise, that infrastructure gap is never going to close. Hallelujah. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I think that and certainly we should praise these large projects because they are important as well. But unless we build that kind of grassroots, those small to medium sized projects, uh, you're absolutely right. We're going to have tons of challenges meeting the SDG goals. I I couldn't agree with you more. So I'm excited. So tell me a little bit about some of the projects that you guys are working on. Well, we have so many NDA signed. Oh, <laughs> but, oh well, well, you could speak uh, in generalities. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, 
going to uh, give you an overview of one of them that I think is very interesting. And uh, a lot of the supranational uh, entities uh, have been looking at, uh, particularly, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, in the Amazon jungle, um, in a given country, um, there are uh, hundreds of settlements, you know, with, with inhabitants from, let's say, a few hundred to a thousand uh, that have no um, safe water or sanitation. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the fact that we are going to be able to fund this project and bring these capabilities to, to the people that live there is going to make their life worthwhile. Well, it's worthwhile already, but I mean, it, it's going to uh, change it in, in a very substantial way. And at the same time, I'm just going to give you an example of how impactful uh, this, uh, these investments are. Uh, the infant mortality rate in this area, but you can extrapolate it to anywhere in the Amazon jungle, it's close to 75%. Wow. When, when you have water, safe water and sanitation, you're looking at around 25%. Wow. So this is still huge, you know, from where you come and from where I come from, uh, it's ridiculous, but, but that's the reality Latin America is living now. And uh, obviously it was worse uh, years ago and, and it's getting better, but, but it still is way behind the curve. And I think that by helping fund these projects and bringing them to, to the people that can actually fund them, um, we are doing a good job. I mean, a job that is obviously on a, on a financial side is, is, is good for us, but I think we're doing this not only on the financial side because we could be doing many other things, but also because it's very fulfilling. Yeah, so I, I think that the topic of sanitation is quite a, an interesting one. I, I, I've I read quite a bit about the work that the Gates Foundation has been uh, focused on in that area. I, I My understanding is that they're more focused around Asia and Africa, so I don't know if, yeah. No, it's, it's true. That, that is true. I mean, I think Latin America... Uh, people don't see it as, as, as bad as the two areas that you mentioned. And it's probably true, but it's still the inequalities and the differences are so huge. I mean, I'm going to give you a few pointers just so you yeah. get, and the viewers hopefully get a big, uh, 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 an, an idea of what's happening. You know, uh, Latin America has 33% more or less of the fresh water in the world. Yet nearly 75%, over 75% of the population doesn't have access to safe water sanitation. And 35% doesn't even have access to safe water. Wow. Yeah, so that, that's in Latin America. Obviously, you go to Africa, it's worse. Huh? Right. But uh, uh, there is so much to do. Uh, and uh, we being Spanish uh, made a lot of sense for us. And obviously, with the connection that Spain has with Latin America. Absolutely. Uh, to, to focus on, on this uh, particular region, uh, just because it has a lot to grow and a lot to be done. And, and I think, obviously, uh, it's getting traction. I think, uh, like you said, sustainability is getting traction all over the place. Uh, but I think uh, uh, Latin American people are, are getting um, their act together now. Yeah, now. I'd just be curious. It's, it's, such, it's a fascinating topic because, and it's such a, such a timely topic. Um, uh, you know, in the U.S., we we we've seen th- this current president as well as the last president really struggle with uh, the solution of what to do with you know, uh, really immigration coming in. You know, from the southern side of the the border, 
And really, I think it almost boils down to the the areas that you're focused on, which is that those countries just don't have opportunity. They also don't have a lot of infrastructure, right? They don't have a lot of infrastructure. And, and so it sounds like some of the projects that you're able to move forward will help alleviate that, at least take some of the first steps. Exactly. Um, I mean, when you think about all the things that have happened and, and that uh, different leaders of the world uh, have, uh, have said about immigration, et cetera. In the case of, for example, the United States, I think that the best way to, you say, build a wall is, is help uh, the different countries, the people yeah. in, in all these countries that are immigrating into the US. Uh, how can you do that? By, by investing and making their life worthwhile there so they don't need yeah. to move. And I, and I don't think you need to you know, uh, uh, go overboard, but you need the basics. You know, and like I was telling you uh, with a few pointers that I gave you earlier, uh, there is a lot to be done uh, for people to feel comfortable and not move. Until that happens, I think uh, there's going to be immigration all over the place. We see it in Spain uh, all yeah. the time. Very yeah, I, you know, and I, I, again, I think the area that you're focusing on with WIF Capital, which are these small to medium sized projects, is, is a very uh, needed, necessary, and acutely probably in need of area as well. Um, because uh, sometimes we forget, I think that the, the heroes of the story are always the big guys, right? <laughs> the heroes of the story, right? I don't mind, uh, to be honest with you. I don't, I yeah. don't care at all. I mean, I, I, I'm happy because, uh, uh, you know, if big projects get done, Nowadays, I think it gives a lot of publicity and hopefully people uh, see and listen and, and learn and uh, they see where the needs are, you know, because they, that, that, that is always going to be so. But yeah. the, look, for example, 80% uh, uh, more or less of the population of uh, Latin, uh, Latin America uh, is urbanite. But the other 20% isn't, but the other 20%, they're, they're forgotten. I mean, a lot of people in cities are forgotten, but the others are are you know, in the hands of God, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I think more impetus has to be put there. And, and hopefully with the new changes the U.S. is making in their um, NGOs, uh, own uh, government NGOs towards Latin America, this can turn around. Because to be honest with you, I think the Chinese and even the Russians have made more headway in the last, yeah. even since Obama, eh, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, and, and right now, when you look at the different countries, the, the Chinese have done a, a really good job. And, uh, you know, the, everybody listens to them. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. <laughs> it's absolutely it? true. And, and I, I think, uh, so, so, so you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a, there's a ton more to do and, and certainly helping resolve some of these infrastructure challenges will, will play a critical role. But uh, I'm imagining that the pandemic must have really thrown another uh, dimension or level of difficulty to the efforts. And I just would be curious to hear how the, the pandemic impacted the projects that WIF Capital is working on and, and, and also maybe how, how you've been able to, to work through it yourself. Um, well, uh, first of all, on the case of, of WIF Capital, what, uh, what we have seen at the beginning, before, before all this happened, we had a, a great pipeline of, of greenfield projects, uh, which is really what we prefer to focus on. 
but the reality is they all been delayed uh, a year and a half, two years, uh, which is a long time. And, and let's see what happens, you know, uh, because there's turmoil all over the place. Um, so that that really impacted us. And in a sense, we had to reinvent ourselves uh, while we wait for the greenfield projects to come about mm-hmm. and focus on brownfield more. Uh, because at the same time, there are a lot of uh, uh, industrial, uh, not necessarily our partners, but industrials in, in Latin that are willing to sell, uh, you know, water treatment plants or desalination plants. And that is something that, that is, uh, makes sense uh, to our investors. Uh, right. You know, because, uh, one, one thing that water has, and I think people don't have, it's not that they don't understand it, is that they, they're focusing on different things. It's just that water obviously is a first necessity, but it's a highly impacting asset. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at it, it's among the most GDP decoupled asset classes you can find. Uh, it's linked from the, uh, the economic cycle and the, the, uh, the, um, the cash flows are very stable. So I think on the aspect of, of, of WIF, it has impacted us. We had to reinvent ourselves a little bit, but uh, hey, um, I was gonna say some word I shouldn't say, but uh, you, know, you, you, uh, you need to grow from that. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're looking at, at uh, different things while, while still working on, on, on some projects that we had and even or on newer uh, uh, Greenfield projects, because obviously the Greenfield projects take quite a while, not just to, to go through the different governments, because water is always going to be uh, something where the different uh, governments, the local governments uh, uh, have a say, mm-hmm. uh, but also um, in, in a general uh, perspective. Yeah, so I, I completely understand that need for reinvention, and it and it and it sounds like you've found, I would say, an area to focus on that will allow you to really expand back into the green, greenfield area as that opens up again. But in terms of just running your business during this moment, uh, how, how did you stay sane, and and how 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 have you at WIF Capital? How how is the team? Uh, survived through this moment? Well, uh, we, we have done okay, to be honest. Uh, uh, we, we have done a lot of um, working, uh, teleworking, like we say in Spain. How do you say it in the US? Is it also tele... Uh, remote. Most remote. of it people... Remote seems to be the word that people yeah. refer to now. Remote work. Yeah. And you wasn't coming up uh, the, the word I want to say, remote. Uh, so that has helped tremendously. And I think it has impacted uh, us in many ways because you, while at the same time traveling is, is very important for us, particularly the Latins, uh, myself as well as the Latin Americans, uh, we are guys that like to have the one-on-one. Uh, right. Zoom uh, has, Zoom or whatever application you use, has helped us uh, uh, get things done that before I don't think we would have been able to, to do. It's true that we haven't been able to travel because most of the, the countries in Latin America are, have been shut down, to be honest with you. Maybe you could go to Mexico, for example, but, but you know, all the other, Colombia, um, Peru, uh, well, you can, you can go to all of them if you want, but, but the right. problem is you're going to get back, if you know what I mean. You have to go on a special flights. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. And I think it's opening up now with, with the, vaccine, uh, the vaccine, sorry. So uh, um, I am optimistic about what's going to happen. I'm just glad that we can see light at the end of the tunnel because, uh, I mean, I have a big terrace. (laughs) 
in my house. So I, I was able to, you know, not, not go absolutely crazy. And, and to be honest with you, I helped, uh, um, I, I, I funded uh, um, myself talking to some nuns that are close to my family. And I, I took um, three, four times a week during the uh, state of alarm here in, in Madrid, uh, food to uh, families at risk that had over four childs, uh, four children, sorry. And so that, that took, uh, uh, that made it, you know, I was able to get out and, and uh, you know, see, see how tough it was for other people, um, yeah. you know, and uh, how lucky I am, literally. I mean, sometimes I came back and I was crying. I don't normally yeah. cry. <laughs> that made me cry. Yeah, it, it's been a moment that has challenged a lot of, uh, all of us. And uh, it's great to see that with capital and and yourself have been able to help and and provide at least some small support uh, when needed, but also to really rethink how you're working. I, I I'm curious to see how how work will move forward. Um, you know, I I'm married to a Spaniard, and uh, I know how connected she is with her friends and her family, mm-hmm. and it's so hard for her to not uh, be with them physically, you know, uh, and yeah. I mean, it's it's really the same for us, even though, you know, we had the remote and everything and we we were, we talk every day uh, among the three of us. uh, The reality is that uh, not being able to be at, at the office on a daily basis is not the best situation because yeah. It's like when you're on a trading floor. I mean, the, 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 the talking, the flow, the, the what's going on, what's happening, uh, the, the fact that you can put two things together uh, yeah. at the same moment instead of maybe putting it, if you're lucky and you mention it when you have the, the Zoom or whatever, it, it's not the same. Uh, so I think, I think that hampers the effort. Yeah. But at the same time, we have learned uh, a lot of things. And if we can get the mix right uh, for the future, I think it would be incredible. Yeah, I agree. I think the learning here will be amazing if we can, if we can also, I hope we, you know, remember what we've learned. Uh, that's going to be the key thing. Uh, you know, a friend of mine is, uh, runs sales for a large organization in Latin America. And he said before, before COVID, he was on planes constantly because he has, because all the managers demanded face-to-face meetings. And he said, this year has been their best year ever from a business perspective. And he said he hasn't left his bedroom in Miami. <laughs> so, it's so. true. I mean, it's really true. I, I think uh, also the necessity yeah. that you have makes things happen because yeah. this would not have been able two years ago. Yeah. It would just not have happened. But I think now that we all realize the necessities and the immediacy of, of uh, the actions we take helps us uh, get more comfortable and, and maybe make some decisions that, that we would not have been able to do before. So, so, so let's look forward here. Let's think about this post-pandemic era that we're, uh, knock on wood, hopefully entering. Um, you know, you, you highlighted earlier that the United Nations had issued out their SDGs and those goals of sustainable development goals have have shaped many, many NGOs, have shaped many organizations, many companies, enterprises, investment groups. 
Um, I mean, are, are, are you hopeful for the near future that we're going to be able to, I would say, get back on track on some of those goals? Because I think right now we're, we're I, my opinion, I think we're wildly behind in many of those areas. Wildly yeah. behind, I agree with you. But, but I, think, uh, I, I think the way people think now is changing. And, and I think that's what's important. The people, you know, at the United Nations, at different uh, financial institutions, at uh, different uh, NGOs, uh, there is pressure now all over uh, um, to uh, make sustainable investments. And the fact that uh, the people that uh, dish out, to give a word, uh, money in, in, uh, have pressure to invest more on sustainable uh, um, investments, as well as keep an eye on the people they invest with and that they, you know, they don't do what they shouldn't do. I think it's putting all of us uh, in a better uh, context uh, for the future. And, and I really do think, and I hope, and I don't think I'm being optimistic, that th there is something changing in the way we think now. Uh, maybe it's because the pandemic made it even more uh, relevant, but uh, uh, when we realized, you know, how many things we're doing wrong, uh, uh, that sustainability is going to become something uh, that can be achievable. I really don't think that, uh, you know, by 2030, we, we're going to be able to do a lot. But uh, uh, I think sometimes the change of attitude makes a lot. And maybe we cannot do it now. But, but you know, human beings, when they become comfortable with something and, they, and it becomes part of their comfort zone, which I think sustainability is not there yet, but will, you know, because there is... It's all over the news, it's all over the papers, it's all over the, everything, you know. Uh, so I, I think that's going to change attitudes and it's going to make uh, uh, people, uh, um, how, how can I say, uh, more um, going to think about it in a different way, whereby they will consider sustainable investment and development uh, on an equal basis far more important. And even if it's a little bit worse, they would prefer to do that. And I have seen it already in, in okay. some funds and in some family offices, you know, whereby they want to make investments that maybe they don't have the returns they're looking for, although we do have those returns, but I, I'm talking in general, uh, because they feel that, uh, uh, you know, they are the ones that uh, have to start making the changes. And, and I think that is so. You, you cannot ask, you know, the, the, the people in, in the Amazon jungle to, uh, like we were talking before, that don't even have access to safe water, to, to make the changes. I think that people that have the resources uh, have to be the ones that take the first leap. And, and in that aspect, I think we're late, but, but I think it's better than nothing. And uh, Yeah, maybe this was a wake-up call. And maybe, maybe this will allow us to embrace some of the ESG challenges that we all know exist and put those models in place and move forward. Lorenzo, thank you so much for joining us today on Uncaged. We've been having a, a great conversation really about, I would say a lot of the major problems that face our planet today, but really the key areas that WIF Capital is working on. Um, WIF Capital is an investment platform specializing in greenfield and brownfield infrastructure with a particular focus on water and sanitation, as well as sustainability and health, 
which would be waste, mini hydros, and hospitals and small to medium-sized projects. We've been talking about the importance of those small and medium-sized projects to, to, to kind of create a, that groundswell moment that we need to see to tackle some of these global uh, major issues. And uh, clearly, WIF Capital is playing a major role. Lorenzo, if someone wants to meet, uh, reach out to you, wh where's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn is fine. Great. Well, we've been talking to Lorenzo Sanchez Mangas today, and I think uh, what an what a insightful conversation this has been. Thank you so much for joining us on Uncaged. I, I enjoyed it uh, thoroughly. We, we seem to have a lot of affinities together. Cheers. Talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye.